Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, our risen and ascended Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the reading from Acts chapter 1, particularly verses 20 to 22, where Peter says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So far our text. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So in our extended first reading this morning, we had Jesus ascending into heaven, taking his throne as it was always his, but now as both God and man sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us as our brother, as we can come to him with any of our worries and concerns and issues with our lives and be able to know that God hears us. Because we are going through Christ. But that part ends with all the apostles looking up in the air. And two guys appearing behind them. And of course these guys did not say, Well, you know, you know, pull out your lawn chairs and sit down. We'll just wait for Jesus to come back. No. They reminded them of what Jesus had said to get back to Jerusalem, to wait for that time when Jesus would send that baptism with the Holy Spirit, that power from on high. And so they leave. They go from the Mount of Olives back to the upper room where they've been staying since Monday, Thursday, and the institution of the Lord's Supper. There's one burning, aching question an issue that they have. How many apostles did Jesus appoint? Twelve. How many are there? Eleven. There's a problem. Judas went his own way. And as we saw in the first reading, it was not a pleasant way. But now we need somebody to take his spot. Because just as God had appointed 12 tribes from the sons of Israel, and Jesus had chosen 12 apostles, we needed a replacement for Judas. One who was there with the disciples from the time of the baptism of John in the Jordan River all the way up into the ascension. And so I wonder just how many of the 120 that were in that upper room actually fit that bill. But the apostles bring forward two. Matthias and the guy with all the names. And they're doing this in the midst of devoting themselves to prayer. Meditating upon the law of the Lord because they understand that regardless of what may be coming in the near future, which we'll talk about next week, 
They need to figure out what's going on now. And I'm sure one of their prayers was very much like our collect about leave us not without consolation. Give us that consolation of having this hole filled, having this replacement for Judas. Because Peter stands up, not because he's the chief of the apostles, but probably because he's the oldest, and definitely because he's the one who likes to talk. And he said the scripture had to be fulfilled that was spoken by the mouth of David concerning Judas. And he quotes from Psalm 69 and 109 that we'll look at in a moment. But basically he says we need to find somebody the exact opposite of Judas. Like we have in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who sits not in the seat of scoffers, nor stands in the way of sinners. Because Judas did all those things in his betrayal of Jesus. So they bring forth these two guys, and Matthias is chosen by Lot. And we'll talk more about that in Bible class after the service this morning. But Peter brings out two important scriptures that are just buried in the midst of long psalms. But when he talks about needing a replacement for Judas, these scriptures come to mind. First, may his camp become desolate and let no one dwell there. Judas turned aside to his own place. He went his own way. He wanted to do his own thing. And granted, part of that was in the will of God, that the Jews were not working with Jesus' timeline, so Judas' betrayal was part of the plan. Not that that makes it right. Not that he doesn't get punished for it. But it's also not unforgivable. That if he would have been like Peter and been heartfully sorry, that then he would have been given the opportunity to be forgiven after Jesus rose from the dead. But he went off in despair. As John would say in his epistle, that he would not have the Son of God because he had walked away from him. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And as we think back in our gospel reading, that great high priestly prayer that Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's waiting for Judas to come with the soldiers to arrest him. He says of his apostles, not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. All of them are good and great and should be fine except for Judas. Because Judas didn't have the Son of God with him. As John writes the events of Monday, Thursday, he talks about when Judas received the bread from Jesus' hand, Satan entered into him. No longer did he have the Son of God with him. So therefore, he did not have the life that is in the Son anymore. And this is just one of the examples from the Scriptures of God allowing people to harden their hearts so that his judgment will come upon them. Most notably Pharaoh, as Moses comes in, let my people go. And, well, 
Pharaoh says, no. And then the first plague, and the second plague, and the third, all the way through the ninth plague, and he says, no. Then finally, the tenth plague comes. Why? Because God had to show him who was boss. In the same way, not too long afterwards, after Joshua and the Israelites conquered the city of Jericho, Joshua curses the city and says that whoever rebuilds the city will lay its foundation at the cost of his firstborn and will set up the gates with the life of his youngest. And high old Bethel, in the time of King Ahab, finds that out to his chagrin. But as we look at this text, we also see that Jesus' camp was desolated at the cross. Those great words that we hear that send chills down our spines during Holy Week. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or from Isaiah 53, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? Jesus willingly allowed himself to become a desolation because he had come to be your replacement. He had come to replace you in your death. To replace you in the punishment that you deserve for your sins. Because that's how our camp is desolated. By our sins. Just like with Logan in the baptismal prayer. We prayed for all the sins that he had inherited from Adam. But also those that he had committed since his birth. Now, what those are? I'll let mom and dad figure those out. But, this is how our camp is desolated. This is why Jesus came in the first place. Because as Genesis 5 tells us, Adam fathered a son in his own likeness, after his own image, after the fall into sin. And Paul writes to the Romans, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. There's not a one of us who doesn't deserve to be on that cross instead of Jesus. But Jesus took our place, died our death, so that our camp might no longer be desolate, and that we might dwell in there, having His life. And the second passage that Peter quotes, let another take His office. This points out very firmly that Judas at one time really did believe. He was allotted a portion and his share in the ministry of the apostles and was numbered among them. This is not some once saved, always saved thing where, well, no, Judas did this bad thing, so now, no, he was absolutely never really a believer. How many of you would fall into that category? That after baptism did something really bad? I see nobody's hands here, so we we might have to start the service over again with confession absolution. 
Because that's all of us. We've all done it. We might not be mass murderers or anything, but we have done those things that have broken His law. But we are still numbered among His children. We still are allotted our share in the ministry that He has given to us. Because Jesus did take our office. Our office as sinful human beings is to die and to be punished. And as, he, as we sing in the service of prayer and preaching, dying, He died to sin once for all. But living, He lives to God. He took your place. He took your office of death so that you might have life. And that you and I might take His office, which is to seek and to save the lost. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This is not just talking about the twelve. This is talking about the 120 in the upper room. And every other Christian throughout every generation since. That we are all sent out. There. Inside the four walls here is great. We need that. Because as Paul talks to the Romans as well, we need that time to have the seeds of our faith watered. Remembering our baptism. Remembering Him replacing us. But that does us no good if it stays in these four walls. If it's just a little checkbox. That, yep, I did it. And now I can go on with Actual life. Because actual life has nothing to do with out there. Actual life has to do with the Son of God. And taking His office, which is to share His Word. To be a part of that ministry. And we do that. And we do a good job. We have the radio ministry. We have the live stream through the website. We have Mala. But that only takes up a portion of us. The rest of us. It's that same thing like the apostles. There are churches all around the world that trace their roots back to the apostles going out and talking to the people and establishing the churches. Like we'll see as we study the book of Acts. Paul doing especially. But not just Paul. And all the places and around what is Turkey and Greece now. But you have Italy, you have Egypt and Saudi Arabia, all the way out even to India and up into the Germanic regions, where the apostles didn't stay inside Jerusalem after Pentecost. They spread out, giving the word, sharing that word, all of them, and teaching other people to do it as well. Because as we're saying at the end of the service this morning, it is heaven to earth, Christ to the people, gift of the future now flowing through me. We take our place as we take His place out in the world. And that doesn't need to be some great sermon that you've worked up. It can just simply be living as Christ out in the world. Having people take notice of what's 
different with you? Why do you have hope in troubled times? Why can you go through bad things and be able to rejoice? Much like the apostles who being beaten for, Christ, for preaching Christ rejoice that they got to share in the sufferings of Christ. Yes, the Christian life is a life of suffering. But it's a life of suffering that's diminished. Because yes, sometimes being a Christian in this world is hard. But not being a Christian after this life is much harder. So as the two men stand behind the disciples, telling them they need to get back to Jerusalem to get ready, they are there to say something important is getting re- is about to happen. And it's going to happen through simple people. Because the apostles were simple people, simply given a mission to go and do. And that mission is simply to proclaim that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.